before we get into the function of the seraphim, because I want to show you in two more places in the Bible where they appear, I want to take you into another place in the Bible because this is too important. You, you can't understand their role until you understand you know, where they are in the heavenly temple. So the first thing I want you to see is the high priest at the altar of incense. So I want you to get this in your mind. I think there's a, a picture of that that these guys are gonna show you too. And so there is a, there you go. So this is the high priest. He's in front of the altar of incense. Now, so you know where he's at. He's in the middle court and there's the table of shoe bread, the menorah and the altar of incense. So in order for the high priest to go under the veil, he has to take a coal from the brazen altar out in the, out in the front, a coal from the brazen altar, lay it on the altar of incense, put the, put the incense on it. So it's like attaching these two altars. I did a whole teaching at ISO on that, on the two altars in the temple. It's the only two altars in the temple, by the way, and he is now connecting your salvation to your worship. And I want to tell you, if people will start worshiping out of their salvation, you don't ever have to ask anybody to worship again. If people would just start remembering where Jesus brought them from and what he got them out of and what he brought them through and where they could have been without the Lord on their side, I mean, that's really what worship is. So he's taken the, he's taken the coal from the brazen altar, which is your salvation. He's, t he's putting it there. Go back to that first scene, guys, and, uh, and then we'll come to this one. Then he's, he's got to take this before he can go into the veil. Now let's go to the next one. Let's, while you're there, let's go, let me go ahead and explain this to you. Go to that next screen again. There we go. All right, so we're on the outer court. Now he's at this inner court and to get under the veil. There's no door. Now in heaven, there's a door, okay? So that's why worship says opens up the door that no man can shut, right? So worship opens up the way into the throne room. You come boldly before the throne of grace. Uh, I hate to disappoint all the intercessors because I am an intercessor, but intercessory prayer does not get you in the presence of God. I know, you're just thinking, what, have you lost your mind? No, it doesn't. It brings God near. Intercessory prayer brings God near. Worship is the only way in. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. I mean, you can be a prayer, you can be the greatest prayer war in the war in the world, but if you want to see the glory, you gotta be a worshiper. And you gotta worship with the same intensity that you pray, because prayer gets answers and brings God near. But on, the only way under the veil is worship. It's the only way in. It's the only way to open the door and see the mercy of God and the glory of God in your life. So listen, commit right now. I'm gonna be the best worshiper I can be. I don't have to worship like anybody else, but I'm gonna be the best worshiper that I'm capable of becoming, because worship is what gets you into the presence of God. So when you see this high priest there, he has to take that incense. And if you've ever been, anybody ever been to a Catholic funeral or been to a Catholic mass? Anybody? All right. A few of you have. And so you'll see this golden censer. And so what they do is they create holy smoke, right? And it's really what it's called, believe it or not. It's really called that. And so they create holy smoke by taking the incense and they set them on fire and they'll walk around the casket and they'll do this because they believe, the Catholic Church believes, the only way to get into the presence of God is with this censer. If I don't do this censer, you can't go in because the high priest could not go into the Holy of Holies without the golden censer. 
So they believe that everybody that dies in the Catholic Church has got to have the golden censer swirled around them a few times, or you can't get into heaven because the only way in the the only way under the veil is with the golden censer. You have to you have to take that and get on your knees and swirl that around you and crawl under the veil. That's the only way in. Notice this is the posture of worship. This is it. It's humility. If you if you're worried about how you look when you worship, you're not there yet. You're just not there yet. I mean, if you're worried about what somebody's gonna think when you worship, that's more the spirit of Macau than it is the spirit of David, okay? So if you're worried about looking a little undignified when you worship, listen, don't let your degrees stop you from worshiping. Don't let your titles stop you from worshiping. Don't let your family stop you from worshiping. Don't let your enemies stop you from worshiping. Don't let a dead church stop you from worshiping. I mean, you need to worship to get in the presence of God. Whatever you have to do, you got to get there. You got to get in the presence of God. Okay, so worship is so important. That's why the glory falls in worship like it did earlier in this service tonight. I loved it when, when that point in the service, when the music stopped and the worship didn't, that let me know we were not worshiping we were not worshiping music. We were not worshiping a song. We were not worshiping Braden's amazing voice. No, when the worship stopped, I mean, when the music stopped, the worship continued. I'm telling you guys, that's when you see the glory of God falling. That's when amazing things begin to happen. Okay, so get this. That's the only way to get in the presence of God. Now, you've got this earthly tabernacle but you also have a heavenly tabernacle. So what I just showed you on the screen was the earthly tabernacle, which is a prototype of the heavenly tabernacle, which means the heavenly tabernacle has this outer court, this inner court, and this holy of holies. That's where the green throne is at. That's where you, how you get to Christ. But the only way to get into him is with worship on a live coal. Okay, so get this. You're, some of you are already catching on. All right, so... Let's keep going. Isaiah 6, love this passage. Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim. Now this is how we know their names. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, because remember they're in heaven now. And with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried out to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when he did, the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Okay, before we move on too quickly from that, I want you to see two things. Heaven's temple does not have a veil. Heaven's temple has a door. Okay, you need to get that. Heaven's temple does not have a veil. Heaven's temple has a door. And when they cried out, holy, 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 the doorposts began to shake and the house filled with smoke. It's important because you cannot get in without smoke. You cannot get in without holy smoke. And what was holy smoke in the temple? It was the altar of incense. It was the coal from your salvation and the altar of incense, which is your praise. And you swirl it around you, the holy smoke, and it creates worship. You get on your knees with that and you get into the presence of God. Is anybody starting to get this? All right, so you cannot get into God's presence without smoke and these amazing seraphim are creating the smoke. 
When they begin to pour out worship, when they begin to pour out praise, the house filled with smoke, and that's so important. And then if you go on in that verse, it says in verse five, he said, woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people with unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king. Now notice this, this is very important, and I've preached the whole sermon on this uh, here before, so some of you remember that sermon about I am ruined, and I talked about the, the throne of God. So here's what you need to understand. He's not talking about seeing God. He says, I've seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's talking about Christ. He's talking about the Messiah. So that is why we know that Messiah's throne is in the temple. He said, I've seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. Okay, now get this, guys. This seraph takes a tong, or some angel took a tong, and picked up the coal and laid it in the seraph's hand. He doesn't need a tong. He is the burning one. So he holds the he holds the coal in his own hand that's been given to him from where? The brazen altar, which symbolizes our salvation. So they bring it to the seraph. He's now holding this coal, and he touched my mouth, at verse seven, and he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this is what, this, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. And I also heard the voice of God saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, here am I, Lord, send me. Okay, so I wanna show you a couple things from this scene. First of all, you got six wings. Six is the number of men. Secondly, you're in the heavenly temple this time. You're not on the earth in front of the sapphire throne. You're in the heavenly temple. The next thing you want you to see is that he's got, he shows us what worship looks like. The first thing he does is he takes his wings and covers his face, all right? This is reverence, I mean, worship looks like reverence. Worship is fun, but it's gotta be more than fun. It's gotta be holy, all right? So, so understand that. Worship is fun, I like all of it, man. We get a good workout when we worship, but it's gotta be more than a beat. It's got to be holy, it's got to be reverent. So the first thing that this seraph does as he covers his face because he's looking at the one on the throne and showing us that worship has to be reverent. The second thing he does is he covers his feet because worship has to be humble. That's the reason the high priest could not walk in there. He couldn't strut in, man. He couldn't just say, hey man, here I'm back. It's Day of Atonement, here we go again. And he couldn't do that. He had to get on his knees and crawl in with bells hanging on and a rope tied to him so he makes sure he made it out all right because worship is about humility. Can I tell you something that's cool about worship? That in all the words in the, in the Bible that's been used for praise and worship, the one that was used the most in the Bible is to kneel. Did you know that? The one that is used the most in the Bible for worship. So that's the reason a lot of churches, like even the Catholic Church does this, has kneelers at their seats. And that's the reason a lot of churches kneel because the, most, the, the, the term, the Hebrew word, that's used the most in the Bible for worship is to get on your knees and worship. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. 
or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you and God bless you. And may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. So the, the second wings teaches us that worship is about humility. And then finally, there's two wings that are f- helping him fly, and that's service. And that's what worship looks like too. Worship looks like serving. It's not just serving God, it's serving one another. It's serving the body of Christ. So worship looks like serving. It looks like humility, it looks like reverence, and it looks like serving. And this is what this seraphim is teaching us. Here's the other thing you need to know is that when, when they begin to worship God by saying holy, 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 there's a smoke that is created from that. So let me just go ahead and tell you what a seraph is. A seraph is the burning one who collects your worship and takes it to the Lord. Six, the wings, six wings represents man. Now I'm gonna show you in a moment that when you get to the tipping point, you've probably heard people talk about the tipping point of prayer, where the bowls of prayer were poured out, the prayers of the saints were poured out in heaven. So I believe it's like this, when you get to a place of worship, that your worship your worship has to be offered. Think about the altar of incense. You have to sprinkle the frankincense and all the other, the five spices. You have to sprinkle them on a hot coal, and when they do, it creates holy smoke. Well, us, Jesus said, now you're a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for the master's use. He said, no longer do you have to sacrifice animals. I will accept your worship as an offering of of sacrifice. So instead of laying the animals on the altar, we lay ourselves there now through our songs, through our worship, through clapping of our hands. And the, you know, David gave us a hundred ways to do it. So there's no, you don't have to, if you don't like one way, just pick another way. There's all kinds of ways to worship. I mean, the apostle Paul said, I would that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. David said, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Psalm, Psalm 150 said, dance unto the Lord. I mean, so there's a lot of ways that you can praise, but you can't just not praise if you really want to get in the presence of God. That's not an option, all right? So the option is, Praise is not something we observe. Praise is not something that we get entertained by watching other people and hoping it spills. No, no one can praise for you. No one can do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. So just get comfortable. If you dance like a water, a wounded water buffalo, go home and practice, man. Just go home and practice. Get your groove on. Then come back and give it something, all right? You don't have to dance like, you know, we, we compare our gift to everybody else's dance. You see some of these pretty worshipers around, they just been doing it a long time, that's all it is. Just go home and practice, and then come back and give it whatever you got. There was a lady one time that came to our church in um, St. Louis, and she, she didn't dance like church people dance, man. This lady thought there was a pole in the middle of the room. I mean, she was doing the... I mean, it was, it was, it was holy cause it was shake yourself loose. And I'm telling you, she was doing it. It was also biblical cause it was lo and behold. So, I mean, it was like everything you don't want a church shout to be was that. And I mean, she was giving it Oh, she could give it. I can't do it like she was doing it. She was shaking her booty all over that place. And it was like, Lord, what do we do with this? And I got, you know, I had 42 elders and they were sitting on the front row and I saw a couple of them do this. I thought, Lord, if I'm going 
gonna either preach 12 funerals or I gotta stop something right now because this is really getting serious. The elders was like, Ethel, this is the big one or whatever, you know, Fred Sanford used to say, you know, this is the big one, I'm coming home. And so I didn't know what to do, man. So I grabbed the microphone and I went over to this lady and I said, uh, I said, wow. That's some kind of dance you got there. I mean, the whole congregation's waiting on me to do something. I hate to be the guy that has to do something, but you know, it's just part of the job, you know? So I had to grab the mic and go do something. And so I said, I, I went over, I was very kind to her, and I said, uh, man, that's some kind of dance you got going on there. And she said, yeah. I said, uh, I know there's a story behind a dance like that because the only other time I saw that in the Bible was when Mary broke the alabaster box, and I know her story. So I know you have a story. And she just started crying. And she said, oh, yeah, I have a story. She said, just a few days ago, I was living in Utah. My husband's a Mormon, and he's beat, he's beat me our whole marriage. And she said, I had to get away from him, and I was scared to death to leave because I knew he would, he, he, I was afraid he might kill me. And she said, I did not know what he would do to our children. And I had to abandon my children and try to get away, and I don't know if I'll ever get my kids back. And she said, the, long, the further I drove, I ran out of money. I didn't have any more gas for my car. And the further I drove, I decided that the best thing that could happen is for me to just die. So she said, my plan was when my car runs out of gas, I'm just going to crawl in the back seat and die. And she said, my car ran out of gas in St. Louis, Missouri, and I had no money, and I crawled in my back seat, and I'd laid there for three days. I hadn't had any water or drink. I used the bathroom all over myself, and I was just waiting to die. And she said, about 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, somebody knocked on my window, and I thought that it was the policeman that was going to take me, and at least I thought, well, I'll get a hot meal, and maybe they can help me, but it wasn't a policeman. Twin Rivers had a, an outreach ministry called the Stranded Motorist Ministry. And these guys, all they did was drive the interstates on Saturday night and help broken down cars. So if they, that, was their, that was their ministry. So if your car was broken down, they had gas and, you know, toolboxes and, you know, extra batteries. And so they, would, they did this every Saturday night. So it was our stranded motorist ministry that knocked on the door. The guy's name was Jerry Perry. And all of his sons were his, was the guys that helped him. And she said, this man knocked on my door. And I thought he was a policeman. He said, no. He said, I'm from Twin Rivers. And I just come to help you with your car. She, he said, what's wrong with it? And he said, when he, when he rolled down the window, he could tell she had been in there for days and it smelled like death. And this, this brother Perry said, ma'am, you don't have to die. You're not going to die tonight. We've come to help you. And he picked her up. They took her to a hotel called uh, three women who had another outreach ministry called House of Manna. He called those women. These women went over there and brought that girl some clothes and brought her to church that morning. She had never been in a spirit-filled church in her life. She had only been in a Mormon church. And she's, and she's telling us the whole church this story. And she said, when I saw you people jumping and I saw everybody dancing, she said, it's the first time in years I have had any kind of joy. And I just had to get up and dance. And this is the only dance I know. I tell you what, when she said that, that whole church stood up and started clapping. I said, dance on, sister. If that's all you got, dance on. Boys, close your eyes, because the alabaster box is about to be broken. And she just danced her little heart out. We had to teach her how to dance, you know, in church later on. But that morning, I said, so just close your eyes, boys. She's giving that to God. That's what we had to do. 
one of my elders said, if, if looking is a sin, I'm gonna take a chance on my left eye. No, he, he didn't really say that. He, I'm just kidding with you now, but. <laughs> All right. Now I don't even know where I was at. <laughs> well, you gotta understand this. There's only one way in, and it's worship. And so you have, you, you have got, oh, I know where I was at. You gotta get comfortable worshiping. Wherever, however you worship, you've got to get comfortable worshiping. Don't let anybody insult you. Don't let any, I mean, don't let anybody take your praise. Listen, there's nothing worth giving up your praise for. There's nobody worth giving up your praise for. Let them talk. Let them point. Let them laugh. Let them tell whoever they want to talk, whoever they want to tell, but don't you give up your praise. Don't you give up your praise. Don't let your degree take your praise. Don't let your title take your praise. It's the only way in. It's the only way in. You want God's presence, you have to worship your way in. All right, so let's go to the, let's go to the next one. Revelation chapter four. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass, so this is the last one. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne, and around the throne were four living creatures, again, we know they're seraphim, with eyes in front and all around. Now, why does it say that? Because they have eight eyes. Why is it saying that their eyes are all around their head? It doesn't mean it's a circle. No, it, it's because they have two eyes in the calf, two eyes in the lion, two eyes in the man, two eyes in the, in the eagle, and it's all around. So that's why the scripture says it that way. All right? The four living creatures full, full of eyes front and back. The first living creature was like a lion, same guys. The second one like a calf. This is how we know it was a baby calf. The third living creature had the face of a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. So what he's doing is he's seeing, John is seeing these four, and, and he's only seeing the face that's facing him. So he describes them this way, but every time they turn, he sees the same four faces. The four living creatures each had six wings full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Okay, here's what you got to see. The next verse in Revelation chapter four, verse nine, is the word whenever. Okay, so these guys are doing something. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks. Okay, wait a minute. They've never been saved. They've never been healed. They've never been delivered. They've never had a bill paid. They've never had a doctor's statement overturned. They've never had a judge shake his head and say, I don't understand what's going here, but go free. They've never had that. They've never had a prodigal come home. They've never had a marriage healed. What are they, how can they give honor and glory and thanks? It's not their honor and glory and thanks that they're giving. They are the coals in heaven. You don't know, see when Jesus died upon the cross, that he tore the veil in two and said, now you can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy, but the way in, you no longer have to go to the brazen altar, you go to the cross. But when you go to the cross, there's got to be a burning coal that offers up your sacrifice of, of praise. And these are the burning coals. 
these seraph, these burning ones, when you say, thank you, God, for saving my marriage, he offers it up. When you say, thank you, God, for paying the bill that I couldn't pay, he offers it up. Somebody help me here. I don't have much voice left, but you know, I'm telling your story right now. Thank you, God, when I thought I was gonna lose my mind, but I'm still here. I'm still here. God, I could have been in prison, but I'm in church tonight. I could have been in the graveyard, but I'm in church tonight. I could have been in an insane asylum, but here I am singing your praises. I could be broke, but here I am. I could be out of my mind, but here I am. I could be living in sin, but here I am. I could be, I could be shooting my veins up with needles, but instead I've got my hands in the air giving God praise. Hallelujah. I could be homeless, but here I am. I could be under a bridge drunk, but I'm not. I'm here. I thank you, God, for delivering me. I thank you, God, for saving me. I thank you, God, for being there. When nobody was there, you showed up. Hallelujah. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.